Okay, hello, welcome to episode 172 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, we are coming to you directly after the Nuggets and Kings game, where the Kings lose 106-100. It was a hard-fought battle without, uh, you know, some bonus. And honestly, I was very surprised it was this close at all. What were your overall thoughts for the game? Yeah, to be honest, that was going to be a blowout because, you know, no Sabonis means pretty much probably no ball movement at all, uh, no players moving around. But, you know, we came back from uh, at one point, 18 down to, you know, probably we were one up at one point into four. But sadly, some uh, couple fouls uh, kind of wed the Nuggets for their win. And if you're wondering why Sabonis wasn't suspended for this or he, why he wasn't in this game, he was suspended for him, him basically approaching a ref um, and getting ejected. Now, you know, we can get into the debate about whether that was fair or not, but, you know, it is what it is. He was not here for this game, and you could clearly see where he would have affected this game. Now, like, first thing I would say would be, you know, there would be less ball movement. And for a lot of the first half, that was the case. Um, you know, th there was a lot of kind of hero ball. And especially when uh, Harrison Barnes and De'Aaron Fox wasn't in the game for the first part of that um, first part of that second quarter, like it was Dante DiVincenzo running point. And it was it just wasn't pretty like the Kings just had no creators out there. And that is where usually Sabonis plays. He plays at the start of the quarter to just, you know, have at least a creator on the floor. Yeah, I learned that. Like Fox pretty much had a good game for uh, Trey Wiles. I'm I'm starting to be more and more surprised with Trey Wiles because I don't remember him uh, being remotely, I guess, average per se. He, he's a good player and he's definitely a smart player. Like he has a very slow release. It's very kind of a la um, Kyle Anderson where they're not fast. They're, they don't jump exactly higher than you, but they're, they've gotten so used to using like every tool they have in their bag that like he just knows how to play and score and contribute in ways that, you know, some players just never really figure out or, or struggle to figure out like he has a very slow release for the most part but like he he gets guys in the air he gets guys to pump fake and then he drives to the rim and creates something yeah and that's nice to have and surprisingly i mean he was pretty much one of our bright spots besides uh darren and somewhat of barnes in the first half where uh he was actually going into the rim and actually doing stuff yeah, um, you know, he unfortunately, he he scored 14 points in the first, like, two quarters and didn't score again. It's just one of those things where, you know, like, it, it's, it's more on the rest of the Kings to be able to follow his lead. And, you know, he kept it close for us or close enough for us to be able to come back a little bit later on. But, you know, unfortunately... It just wasn't enough. Um, not basically, it was him, Fox, and Barnes, and no one else really had it this game. Like you have Metsu contributing, you have Damian Jones contributing, and Don Donovan Mitchell, Davion Mitchell contributing as well. But it just wasn't enough, you know. Uh, you know, shorthanded without some bonus, it just you needed more. And unfortunately, those guys were not able to provide what the Kings needed to unfortunately survive a night from Jokic where he scored 38, 18, and seven. 
Yeah. And speaking about, you know, rebounding, uh, we did mention the Kada and we were hoping Kada would come in during the game, but sadly, Kada didn't come in. I mean, Alex Lynn had four fouls. I mean, I kind of somewhat understand what Damian Jones, since he was uh, having a decent game uh, throughout the game, but, you know, maybe spread some minutes to Kada because uh, Jones played a whole three seven when only 10 because of his four fouls, but we got to give him Kada maybe like 10 minutes, right? Yeah, and that's the kind of thing. Like, I'm watching a worldwide mob like talk about how the Knicks don't play Deuce McBride. And Deuce, like, you know, he's a good player and he helps the team. I can't say that, you know, Kata helped would help the team because I don't think he would have been an answer against Jokic. Like, he's young, he's probably not filled out yet, and he probably would just get bullied the way that Damian Jones would. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like, wait, it says Damian Jones played 37 minutes. That's that's what it shows in NBA.com for me. I thought that was a tough damn. But like, you know, if you're gonna lose this way, you might as well go down with the ship as well. But like the Kings had chances to actually win this game. They just couldn't cash in towards the end. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, sometimes you know, just sprinkle a guy like Kata a few minutes, like have him develop. He is gonna be kind of your project um upcoming, I think. Like. You know, Len Len is a, Len has one more year on his contract after this season. Uh, you know, Damian Jones unrestricted. Rashawn Holmes is likely gone this offseason. Like, Kata could be your next project and honestly could be kind of a Sabonis type. That's kind of what he was projected to be when he was drafted. And, you know, this could have been a good opportunity, but it's the thing, it's the problem with a lot of coaches. They don't trust young guys. And Alvin Gentry is trying to coach for his job. And, you know, this is the kind of thing where I wish, like, you know, there would be a little bit more big picture thinking, but it's kind of situations that the Kings organization creates such as this that kind of hurts guys like Kata, where, you know, like playing him now could benefit him down the line, but no one is really thinking about down the line. Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we really wish he could have gotten some minutes, but I, I guarantee you he would not have been a solution against a, against Jokic. Although, mm. I will say, despite scoring 38 points, like, I thought the Kings did a decent enough job doubling him for the most part. It was just when they kind of just let him feast, like, on Damian Jones and Alex Len. I mean, Damian Jones had no hope against, against uh, Jokic with, without a double. Like, he's just not strong enough. And Jokic just moved him like a rag doll out of the way. No problem. Yeah. And even so, like, he could always pass it out to the open man. And that <laughs> usually happens to be Rivers or Morris. And, you know, they hit their threes. It's yeah. a sad fact. And that's the tricky part about doubling. This is why you don't double Jokic. But, like, D- Damian Jones had no hope. Like, and I doubt, like, I doubt, you know, Rashawn would have had any hope, but like Sabonis is at least a heavy body that could, you know, um, guard him a little bit and not give him so many easy shots. And again, that let's let's uh, move to that point. Like, you know, Sabonis affects the game with his passing and like, you know, his heftiness, but also the rebounding. Like Damian Jones is a bigger guy. At, at least I think he's listed as taller than uh, taller than Sabonis. But, like, Sabonis knows how to, as I call it, command space. Like, any, if he's in an area, like, he will seize that space and you will not move him away from that spot on the floor. And he will grab that rebound. And down the stretch, you know, the Kings were down one. They had a chance to actually, like, take the game. 
But unfortunately, a few long rebounds later, you know, Jokic scores an and one, and then Monte Morris scores an and one on the next possession. Like that was kind of the dagger for the game, but you see where Sabonis would have helped. Like Sabonis probably could have gotten that rebound that Jokic got that led to an and one. And Lord knows what happens, you know, from that case or like from, you know, from there, like the Kings very much could have made a run to win the game. Yeah, it was very close. We tried our best. I mean, it's pretty much Fox tried his best to keep us up uh, from those two and ones, but I don't know yeah, it's always kind of the same situation where some players wasn't able to hit shots where it mattered, I guess. I mean, we got to we got to show Fox some love. Fox was great this game. Like he started off a bit slow, but come, you know, coming into the third quarter and the and the beginning of the fourth, he really turned it up and keyed a lot of these runs. Like, you know, he there are there are like issues I see with how how he plays sometimes, but like he's doing what he can. And sometimes his teammates don't sh- like his teammates don't don't provide him enough like you know help, and mm-hmm. it's it's I I don't blame any of this on Fox. He's doing what he can, and like these past few games, like he really does look like a fucking star. Yeah, and especially with the spacing he has to deal with uh, in this game. I mean, he barely could uh, maneuver within the paint, but he tried to. I mean, he made four for six from three, which is pretty dang great. And, uh, you know, a few mid-ranges and he could do, I mean, he did his best, whatever he could win the paint when he could. And, you know, like, it's like, I, I don't understand why some people are still as down on him. I get it. He's, you know, Ty, everyone loved Tyrese, but like De'Aaron is still very, very good. And we should acknowledge that when he's playing very well. Granted, we're still losing, but it's not his fault. Like he's, he's doing what he can. It's on the role players to be able to st- you know, step up and support him. And one of the guys, what did you think of Harrison Barnes's game? It's it's a little slowed down from previous games. I mean, like you said, 11 shots is not enough, but at the same time, it's not really his game. He made 11 shots exactly again, naturally, this game. Only made five for 11, but under that, I mean, he did what he could. Uh, he attributed five rebounds and five assists as well. I mean, I mean, do you think he should have uh, stepped up a little since the bonus was out? I just think, like, granted, he did take the second. No, he took the third most shots because Trey Lowes took twelve. But like, I just think that that number just needs to go up. Like, he just needs to take sixteen ish shots. Mm-hmm. He's the second best player, like, and the third best player when Sabonis is in the game. Like that just come that just requires him to take more shots, but that's more of just a kind of a issue of the Kings just not having enough talent. The reality is he is probably a third or fourth option. In this in this case, he's a third, he's a second option, and that's just not his role. This is not what he's built for, and it, it goes back to the Kings just needing more talent, and you know that has to be addressed this offseason. They need to somehow get that guy. Whether, whether that's, you know, through a lottery pick um, or a top four pick or whether that's, um, you know, finding a trade um, out there. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll just see. Like, he, I just think 11 shots just is not enough. He needs to have 16 to 18 shots no matter what. I don't care if he only makes five or six. He just needs to take those shots. 
Yeah. Hopefully when Sabonis does come back, he shoots a lot more because I'm pretty sure Sabonis will find a lot more shots, uh, especially with Barnes just standing in the corner at most times. I mean, talk about finding guys. Like, the, the passing wasn't bad this game. I thought the passing mm-hmm. was perfectly adequate, and, like, there was some beautiful backdoor cuts. And, and, you know, it's just one of those things where you just say, like, you know, you just got to do that more. Like, and I mentioned to you, like, later on in the game, like, during crunch time, like, it, it, it devolves into deer and iso ball. And, like, it's frustrating, even though it what you know, like, the results are mixed. And, like, sometimes it could be very good. De'Aaron kind of commands that level of respect to be able to ISO at the end of at the end of games. But, you know, try to run more stuff. Like, you mm-hmm. know, just run a, l- a little bit more player movement, a little bit more ball movement, and see if you can create something there. And then, if there's nothing there, go into a De'Aaron ISO. When the mm-hmm. defense has moved, moved around a little bit and is a little bit more spread out. Like... It's, they they need to figure that stuff out and yeah ultimately I thought it was a pretty good game like I thought the Kings were gonna lie over and die honestly but like they <laughs> showed fight and like you know without Sabonis they put up a really good fight against a pretty decent team well a pretty good team like even though they didn't have Will Barton like again I, I was fine with them losing this game even though it is another loss and that could be a good thing or a bad thing up up to depending on how you look at it yeah, hopefully in the future we'll see more consistency between uh, ball movement and player movement and, you know, determining when to rely on Fox or not. Uh, hopefully we'll see that more in the future, but, I mean, it's pretty inconsistent so far, sadly enough to say. Okay. Um, last thing I'll talk about uh, before this game. It, it's, you you know, you see them come out and fight and play so well against the, against the Denver Nuggets. And it just makes me think, you know, had you just played defense as well as you did against Nikola Jokic, the best passer in the league, if you just double them like that, or you, if you go back to the Knicks game and you doubled Randall, like how you doubled Jokic this game, that's a very different game because like Jokic is the best pass in the league and they were able to smother him for a, a number of possessions. It was terrific. I was surprised. You were surprised. Like, it's just one of those things I'm, where I'm just like, why don't you do that in the other game when the games were easier? And Matt Barnes brought, um, I listened to him on ESPN 1320. He was talking about how it's different when you're playing like up like when you're playing with the lead instead of like coming back, you play a different way and maybe the Kings need to get used to playing like, you know, up at halftime as opposed to, you know, having to come back uh, in halftime. Like, I don't know what the solution is, but they need to be able to figure something out. And again, why don't they play with that level of intensity? They need to bring that every single game. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, regardless of being up or down, I think you should play with that kind of intensity regardless. Or just play with your, you know, your attention to detail. Like, again, player movement, ball movement, that has to be the first thing. And, you know, if your offense is flowing well, that makes your defense better. And, you know, you can go from there. Instead, like, you know, they they just reset to basically running bad offense and leading to bad defense. And everything is just, you know, a lot worse than they should be. Uh yeah, let's see. Well, hopefully we do better in the next game, which is I believe Friday. And it I, is Saturday, I believe. And Saturday. It is a, and I forgot who is against uh, Utah. 
yeah, that's going to be fun. <laughs> well, well, at least we'll have Sabotis back, and we'll see you know, what Sabotis can do against Rudy Gobert. Mm, yeah, that'd be interesting. Rebounding and defense. And, and you know, I said last thing, but one more thing. The refs, I'm, the refs were pretty bad this game. <laughs> <laughs> pretty bad. And, like, they, they got the crowd uh, riled up. They got Michael Malone riled up. They got the players riled up. It was – the refs have not been kind to the Kings as of late. And I never, I never really want to bring up the refs because their issues go way beyond the refs. The refs exacerbate those issues. But at the same time, it's been bad lately, like late whistles, bad whistles that, you know, disrupt momentum and disrupt the game and make it somewhat unwatchable. Yeah, especially with those, uh, what do they call it? Reviews, man, it felt like there was a short stint of back-to-back reviews. And, you know, it always pauses the game and kind of messes up the flow in some way. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's, as I've, as I've said so many times, just hire a fourth rep, please, just to stop these long-ass reviews where it, it's obvious, pretty, it's pretty obvious at home. Like what happened? Just have a fourth ref look at it and just put the thumbs up or thumbs down. That's all you got to mm-hmm. do. <laughs> oh yeah. But the, but they won't do it. So oh, we're yeah. just going to keep having this shit. And honestly, at a certain point, I just want them to go back to old school, like refing where they just ref and like, they don't go to the monitor. If, unless it's like a weird technicality thing, like, Oh, is this dude's foot on the line? Is, is that out of bounds or something like that? But like everything else, just call it like on the floor, but you got to be consistent with it. If this is a foul, then that has to be a foul. And if like, if like there's a lot of contact and there's no foul, make sure that's consistent throughout the game. That's what, that's what, you know, good refing looks like, but that's another conversation for another time. Shout out to the crowd tonight. They were alive, um, mm-hmm. you know, and the Kings actually did give them something to cheer for. So there you go. Yeah. And shout out to Cousins. I haven't seen him back in the Sacramento court in a while, actually. And, you know, got three offensive fouls this game. Or was it four? I don't uh, know. Well, he had five fouls. And it was, and he <laughs> he played, what, 11 minutes? Like, part of me felt bad for him because he just ran over guys. But, like, there were a few bad ones, to be honest. Like, where mm-hmm. he just bulldozes a guy, not on purpose, but like he's just he's just running and just runs over Justin Holiday on one where Holiday just gets in front of him for no reason. Well, to draw the foul, but like those I felt bad for him. But you know, like Demarcus, like he was fine this game. Like a lot of turnovers, but like he, you know, he was a presence. Like he drew double. He still draws doubles to this day. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's a train. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, a few more things um, before we end this portion of the episode. Um, Vivek apparently is putting a bid to buy a Chelsea FC. I hope I said that right. Uh, the soccer team from the Russian oligarch. So I thought that was interesting. Wait, and really? oh. Yeah, well, he's got money apparently. And, you know, I, not, not to be a dick about it, but it's like, yeah, if he's going to buy that soccer team, you know, just... Just, you know, go, go, just go manage that for a bit. Uh, just don't, don't meddle with the Kings and yeah, yeah just, uh, just go, go, go take care of the soccer team. Um, and you know, like Monty will take care, will take care of the uh, Kings team, like while you're not here. Yeah. That's, that sounds pretty big. Chelsea uh, football club is pretty, is a pretty big organization. I'm surprised he's putting a bid 
and something like that, that would cost a lot. So the story I heard from James Ham during the pandemic, I think the Kings lost upwards of like, I forgot how ever many hundreds of millions of dollars. I want to say, I want to say a hundred million. It might be 300. Ooh. The vet covered all of it. Wow. He no problem. Oh, uh, probably there's some problems, but like, oh, you know, well. he, he covered it because a lot of the investors like didn't want to, didn't want to just cover that money because, you know, investors like, doesn't matter how cheap you are, you're still, or it doesn't matter how rich you are. You're, you know, if you're a cheap bastard, when you're poor, you're going to be a cheap bastard when you're rich too. And a lot of them didn't want to, pe- didn't want to belly up money to cover d- during the pandemic. And Vivek covered it all. And also like this, this year's salary is actually like, I forgot how many, how much money um, this, the entire roster is making, but it's a pretty substantial amount. And one thing you can say a lot of things about Vivek. He's definitely not like the Malus. He is willing to spend money on this team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, credit to him for that. Oh, okay. That's interesting to know. But yes, uh, yeah, if you do, if he does end up getting the Chelsea Football Club, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, put some time into that. And we'll take, you know, like Monty will take care of things and Joe Dumars will take care of things while you're gone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how the Chelsea Football Club would do with him in command. How, however, I have I have heard, um, like, Ethan Strauss, I believe, brought this up and he studied a lot of these uh, ownership and studied a lot of ownership groups and how teams are being run. Usually not a great thing when the owner is not a presence within the team because they're, mm. it, they're, it creates a power vacuum. And basically people, there will be people within the organization fighting for power. And it's not the greatest thing. It might actually end up being worse for all we know, but Hey, I mean, it's been what, eight years of this and it's not working. So Honestly, let's try something different if that is the case. Yeah, especially with Vivek not knowing too much about basketball. But, I mean, as a businessman, he can't really complain what he does. So, yeah, hopefully – oh, go on. Sorry, I was just going to say, like, look, the Kings are great at everything. Like, they're great with, you know, the community stuff. They're great with the marketing. They're great on social media. They're just not good at basketball. It's like literally the only thing they're not good at. Like the arena's great, everything. Most ever, most things surrounding the Kings are actually pretty fine for the most part, if not good. Mm-hmm. It's just that they're not good at basketball. I know. Yeah, especially the community because downtown was very barren. Not until like, the arena popped up, everything started popping up. Like the streets started, uh, you see more people going downtown now. I mean, it, it's a big I I want to say culture change, but it's just a big change in scenery, I guess you could say. Yeah. So like give credit, give credit to Vivek where it's due. I, he's not been a great owner, like, you know, in terms of like making the team successful, but he has done good things for this community. He has done good things for, you know, everything surrounding the Kings other than making them a good basketball team again. It just get I, I you know like we we bag on the fact, but sometimes you gotta give you gotta give the man the credit where he's due, and he doesn't seem like a bad guy, from, mm-hmm. you know, you know what we've seen, and we can't say that about other owners, for example. He hasn't mm-hmm. said anything racist. He hasn't like said anything controversial. He hasn't you know sexual you know let sexual harassment you know go rampant behind the scenes. So that you know he he's a he's he's he seems to be a decent enough guy for the most part, and runs his team you know, with good morals and stuff. It's just that 
he he's not a good owner in terms of making them a good basketball team. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, last thing. So me and you have watched the Tyrese interview on the old man and the three. And so I guess I have a few questions for you. So like, uh, you know, he talked about, you know, the, the, you know, him getting traded, of course, to, to Indiana. Apparently he was going to get, he thought he was going to get traded to the Sixers. His agent thought he was going to get traded to the Sixers. And all of a sudden it was the Pacers. And then he talks about like, just, the idea that he was all in on Sacramento and bringing them back to, you know, prominency. And he said some stuff in there. I want to get your thoughts on those. Like, did, did he at all feel just very, just salt? He did, did it come off to you when he talked about like Sacramento and the organization that there was a lot of saltiness within his tone about how he talked about it? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. And, I mean, like, I get it. Like, if they kind of, I don't want to say they did him dirty, but like, let, let, let's be honest, no one was really expecting him to get traded. Mm-hmm. And there was just a lot of stuff. I get it. Like, it, it's devastating. I, it must feel like, you know, when you, you know, like, imagine you're, you, you met someone and like, you guys are just soulmates. And all, and like, you guys are like imagining a life together. Like, you guys are going to, you know, be together forever. And then all of a sudden it just breaks off. That must be what it felt like, honestly, like when the Kings, you know, traded him because like, I don't, I don't think he's lying. I think he is 100% like honest, honest to God. Like he thought he, he was completely like all in on, you know, making this team great again. I hate, I'm sorry. I said that phrase, but like he, (laughs) he, he, he was all, he was, he really wanted to bring this team back to prominence and he wanted to be a part of that. He was all in on the culture. He was all in on the community. And I don't doubt him when he says he, he loved the city and the organization. Yeah. And him and Sub said that if you ask anyone in the, you know, Kings organization who wanted to be here the most, it would be Tyrese Alburn. Now, I mean, I can't say for the other players, but I, I kind of remember Fox, you know, still want to be here. Harrison Barnes has done great things for our community. Other than that, I mean, not sure. Mitchell has said some things about Sacramento where he wanted to uh, help as well. But other than that, yeah, the most or the person who wanted to stay here the most really was Tyrese. And we kind of just like cap. Uh, what's the word? Blindsided him. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We we just wanted Tyrese to stay here like for a long time because we wanted to see him grow and you know help this team. Yeah, like you said, bring us to the promised land. Like so, so let's talk about like just loving the team and loving the city. Now, how much value do you put in a guy just loving the city and wanting to be here? I want to put a lot into it, in my opinion. Like I, I get it, but I've kind of, I, I, I guess I'll play the, I'll play the heel on this one. I, I don't okay. really put that much value on that, just because th- what, what we ultimately want is for the team to be good. Now, mm-hmm. now I'm not crapping on Tyrese because he was the farthest thing from the reason for why this team was bad. It is a, it is an entire organizational thing. It is an entire franchise thing, and. You know, 
the the reality was it was going to be hard for to build a team around him and De'Aaron and with the and surround them with pieces that you know worked without like full on just selling off guys and mm. you know the 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 reality is you know like it's great that a guy wants to be here but the reason but the reason why you know the real reason what what of what we want i guess is is that we want the team to be good sometimes mm. like if you're not making the team good enough like you loving the city just doesn't mean much to me and mm-hmm. i hate i hate to say it that way i know it's a real dickish thing of me to say but like the team just wasn't good it just wasn't good enough and it needed a change and it's unfortunate it had to come with a guy that didn't love the city yeah. and you know like I, like i remember like De'Aaron said he loved the city too now of course he hasn't said it in recent times but like you know he said he loved the city boogie loved the city and you know, everyone, actually most players that come here end up loving the city. Like Kent Bazemore wanted to stay. Like you have, you have so many stories, like Iman Shumpert loved, loved Sacramento. He has actually said that it hurts, that it hurts for him to watch Sac right now. Like a lot of people end up loving Sacramento, but the ultimately what we, what we should all want, what we, what I value the most is that we win. And so far, like, of course, like with Sabonis coming here, it's been a mixed bag a little bit. But mm-hmm. like at the same time, like it, we can see a pathway to, to, you know, improving. And, you know, it's unfortunate it had to come at Tyrese's expense. I'll just say that. Yeah, which is too bad because we only really spent, what, one and a half seasons with him. Mm-hmm. And we expected a lot longer, especially, you know, since he's still his in his sophomore year, uh, yeah, with all the things that were happening before he got traded, I mean, we weren't sure where the team was gonna lean towards, and you know, a lot of dots were you know Fox would be out for some reasons, or even when uh, Tyrese was mentioning that he was gonna go to 76ers, and we thought we would you know possibly get Ben Simmons or whatnot. We, we weren't just sure. It's just uh, a lot of just mixed thoughts. And the only person really, in my opinion, that felt like should have stayed out the whole like, team roster at the time should have been Tyrese. And I really wish we kept him. And going back to the reason uh, why I think loyalty means a lot it's it's that you know uh, i don't know what to say it's yeah well i'll I'll, i guess i'll explain why i don't value loyalty all that much is because it's not on the players like like when a when a player is loyal to an organization Unfortunately, I feel I more often than not, the organization is not loyal to the player. Mm-hmm. So that's why I just say as a player, don't don't fall, don't fall into the loyalty trap where you're loyal, you take a pay cut to stay with a team. Because that that organization, because things do change. And like as soon as you do not become useful, you are not a useful piece uh, for them. Or as long as well, as soon as things change. 
you become expendable as a player. So that's why I always say, get the money. Just go for the money mm. for, for a lot of players. Don't stay, yeah. loyal, don't stay loyal to a team. So I just don't expect players to stay loyal to a team because the organization is not going to be loyal to you mm-hmm. more than likely. So that's why I, don't, I just don't value loyalty. I just... Per- I would just say like for players to be a little smarter about this, just, just you know, some, some, you know what, sometimes I, you know what, I'm not in an organization. I don't know what they say to them behind the scenes. Maybe they do treat you like family. They do treat you well. You yeah. love the city. You love the fan base, but ultimately you got to be smart about it and just take the money. That's, mm. that's just the way I look at it. And also yeah. I'll end it on this. Might, we might've done Tyrese a bit of a favor too, because like, you know, I mentioned on the last episode how Sacramento has a way of breaking players. And mm. Tyrese, remember before he got traded, it was before, I forgot what the what the record was, but we had a we had a, a pretty long losing streak that was that was look like we had like two wins in the last what 11 games or something like that. Yeah. And after every press conference, it was pretty heartbreaking in a way. Just, just watch his watch Tyrese's face on yeah. that Zoom call, just looking dejected, looking just pissed, just not knowing what the hell is going on, just he- almost not helpless, but like you know, in that in that vein. And it's just one of those things where, like, you know, I meant I mentioned that Jason Jones like says, well, Jason Jones tweeted afterwards, is like, please don't break Tyrese. <sighs> you know what? Yeah. We sent him out before we could break him. Because I don't know, like, granted, I would have loved to keep Tyrese. And, like, if you could have gotten some bonus, if you could have traded away two or three picks to get some bonus and keep Tyrese, I might have done it. But at the same time, like, you might, we might have saved them in the long run. Mm, uh, I see. Uh, going back about your comment about, uh, you know, keeping players and whatnot and how they're pretty expendable. Yeah, I kind of agree with that, and there is a reason why I haven't bought a jersey in a, quite a while. <laughs> look, look, case in point, Isaiah Thomas with the Celtics. Yeah, that was so unbelievably dirty, and like he lost so much money because of that. And in 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 some sense, granted, he did kind of get his money because from what I've heard, like there weren't that many great deals for him. Rashawn Holmes. He kind of, he's definitely stayed out of a little bit of loyalty to Sacramento and the organization. And look how we're talking about him now. Like he is unfortunately the, the the one with the most value that is expendable because we got Sabonis now and he doesn't fit with the team anymore. See what mm. I mean by the situation has changed. Now he's now he's become expendable and probably will be traded this offseason. And now he's I guess stuck with the $50 million contract that he signed instead of like going for 60 million with Toronto, I think. I think was the deal that was out there. Mm, yeah yeah i guess i'm too encapitalized about loyal players over winning at this point because it's it's been quite a while oh, since oh, we oh, well here's the other thing but if you're winning that's fine but like mm-hmm. it's just the the idea that you know you should stay loyal to a team for the sake of staying loyal to them don't do that take the money mm-hmm. take the take the money just mm-hmm. that that's how that's unfortunately the reality of life just nothing is certain but if you can but if you can guarantee that you're going to get x amount of dollars go for the money life lessons with owen right now 
<sighs> yeah, hopefully we'll see Tyrese. Uh, you know, probably get. Uh, let's see. The next one would be just uh, rookie Max. I I don't know if he like. Well, here's the other question. It, like right now, he's been great. The, yeah. the, he could and he could be like a franchise level player, but can you really say for certain he's like he should get you know close to something like what Trey got, mm. or maybe maybe something closer to what Jaron Jackson got instead, like you know four years, one hundred fifteen million, I believe is what Jaron Jackson has. Okay, yeah, something like probably something closer to that area. At and least a hundred mil for four years. In my and opinion. like, but that's the tricky part about like, you know, like De'Aaron, the reason why De'Aaron is still on this team probably is because he signed that big contract. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I know some people want to say like Tyrese was the best player on the team. He was not De'Aaron what De'Aaron was, but De'Aaron has a big ass contract. That's not very attractive as a trade asset. Ah, I see. Like, it, like if you had a like, let's just say if they had the same contract, De'Aaron might have been the one that that would have been moved. Hmm. I see. Yeah, no. as it, as in, yeah, the better player between the two. So, yeah. Well, that that's all. That that's all. You know, speculative. I I don't know. I, I'm not. My point is, I'm not sure Tyrese is a is absolutely a max player. He probably he probably could be, but we can't say for sure. So mm-hmm. we have uh, we have dwelled on this topic for really long, and uh, so I'm gonna just stop this recording for the sake of just me rambling on and on. Uh, yeah. So ultimately, I think you know I understand where Tyrese is coming from. Yeah. But ultimately, this is business, and unfortunately, it had to be done. Yeah, it's always heartbreaking to talk about. Uh... Tyrese again because yeah I really do like that player and I wish you know he stayed a lot longer but it is what it is well uh on that note uh we are gonna end this episode and uh yeah it we should we should be coming back on Saturday, hopefully. Um, I'm, I've decided to probably post this as a solo episode because there's a three-day three, three day difference between this game and the Jazz game. So, yeah, um, we'll be coming back to you guys uh, once the Jazz game happens. And maybe it's a win. Maybe it's not. Even if we win, good. If we lose, good. Like, ultimately, I'm I'm just here to watch the games. And hopefully, we just get a good game. and. The result is what the result is. Oh, yeah. All I hope for is some improvement. And like you said, hopefully uh, we gain some experience with each other or, you know, the, with, within the team. And uh, uh, hopefully that we could utilize that uh, coming forward to the next season. And if you guys are sad that uh, the, that we lost the Nuggets tonight, just so you know, uh, the Lakers got punked by the Houston Rockets. So there's that. <laughs> if you guys need a good time okay thank you guys for listening uh we'll come back to you guys on saturday hopefully well we'll see you guys later